Um, good morning, everyone. If we've not met before, my name is Matt, and I have the great privilege of being one of the elders here with Stuart and Jeremy at Real Life Church. And it's good to see you all today. Um, welcome back if you've been away. Well done if you've been at home looking after extra children or if you've just been cracking on with normal life. I know the summer looks different in lots of different ways to everyone, um, but it is good to be here. There's actually more people here than we thought there might be. Given the worship teams like sort of disappeared, um, it's great to see lots of people here today, so good job. If you're listening in because you're catching up, let me just say well done for catching up on the preachers you missed at home. That is real dedication, and um, sorry that you're gonna miss a couple of the visual demonstrations, but we'll, um, try and help you along the way. So, um, a bit about me, just to get us started. So, over the last couple of days, I've been on my own. Um, which, actually, I quite enjoyed. Um, so, Phil and I, every year, we try and give each, say, each other a few days on our own where we can just do whatever we want. It's kind of me time, selfish time. I don't have to worry about anyone else. Um, and it's a bit of time for us to recharge on our own, get a bit of headspace, a bit of clarity. So, one of the things I've been doing, if we go to the next slide, is... I've been wallpapering this wall. Isn't it beautiful? Okay, that's a very lovely wallpaper. That's my daughter's bedroom. Um, she asked me about 12 months ago, I reckon, possibly more. We bought this wallpaper. It's been in my office for quite a long time. And finally, over the last two days, I was like, yes, now is the moment. I'm going to risk going into my daughter's bedroom, and I'm going to wallpaper this wall finally. And I think it looks pretty good. I was pretty pleased. Don't look too close. Um, and yes, it's taken me a long time. It's taken me a long time to come through on that promise. But I enjoy DIY. I enjoy doing practical stuff with my hands. So for me, it was quite nice just to do that in the peace and quiet of home. Um, so I finally fulfilled that promise. However, um, I then had a little, you know, nosy around the rest of the house, and I found a few things I haven't done. So um, Phil and I bought the blinds at the top not too long ago, but I did say at some point we would put the new blinds up in our bedroom. They're still in the packet in our bedroom floor, so sorry I didn't come through on that one. That tap there is great, isn't it? I put that in a few years ago. It's 90 degrees out, um, if you can't quite work that out. At some point, I need to actually get into the back of the sink and turn it the right way. It works. It's fine, but it, it needs fixing. And this lovely box over there, anyone know what that might be in that box? It is a dartboard. Um, that was given to us quite a while ago. The kids have got into a bit of darts around other people's houses. Not at our house, because I haven't put it on a wall yet. Um, but I hope at some point to put it up. So there's a few things there I've promised to do that I haven't quite come through on yet. Um, and this got me thinking as I was preparing for today and just thinking, well, when I say to my wife or to my children, yeah, I'll do that. I'll get that done for you. I wonder what their response is. I wonder if they think, yeah, he's on it. That'll be done really soon. Or if she just kind of smiles and waves. Yeah, we know. We know. A couple of years' time, a bit of, bit of reminding it might eventually get done. Um, I'm not always good at getting things done very quickly. But then what about when I promise to love my wife, to love my children, to fight for them, to look after them, um, and I promise to do that. I hope that their reaction is a little bit more positive. I hope that my wife and my children know that when it comes to loving for them, fighting for them, doing the best I possibly can for them, I think they probably know that I hopefully come through on that promise a bit more quickly, a bit more often, um, and I try and look after it. But 
Thankfully, we're not talking about my faithfulness to my promises today. And segueing into today's preach, we're going to be talking about the faithfulness of God to what he has promised. Okay, and thankfully, we worship a God who is faithful. He is absolutely 100% faithful to his promises. So let's read. Um, We're going to read this through together. This is the passage we've been in now. Today is the last day. Today is the last day of um, this series before we have kind of our Vision Sunday going into a new series that Stuart will talk um, more about. So for the last time, let's read this passage through together and then we'll explore the faithfulness of God, what he says he will be faithful to um, and how he does this and what our response to that is. So I'll be ready for the awkward pattern of reading this out together. I'm going to deliberately do it differently just because I'm like that. Here we go. One, two, three. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Brilliant. So the word we're going to be looking at today is this word faithful or faithfulness. Um, The phrase is actually abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The original text, as Jeremy said, chesed, I think it was, and emet, Okay, chesed and emet, steadfast love and faithfulness. And actually, if you haven't listened to what Jeremy spoke at our last meeting, which was a couple of weeks ago, steadfast love, I I can't encourage you enough to go back and have a listen. Because actually, these two preachers sit together um, really well, um, and there's lots of common themes. So some of the things I'll refer to today, Jeremy went to much more detail about a few weeks ago. And to be honest, he did it so well, it really spoke to me and it blew me away. And I wouldn't want to try and repeat some of that stuff because I think he just communicated God's steadfast love, his unfailing love, his unwavering and unconditional love, covenant, lo- covenant loyalty. He did it so well. I really encourage you. Um, I haven't seen him since he preached, and I wasn't here, and I was listening to it at home, but I was like, wow, I need to listen to that again, so I did. Um, So please do listen to that, and if there's anything today you think, oh, I've breezed past that a bit too quickly, go back and have a listen to his preach, because probably he did it a bit more. Um, And it's just holding in mind that God's faithfulness is his steadfast love towards us, and his love is shown through his faithfulness to us. So his steadfast love and his faithfulness are all kind of wrapped up Um, which is why I think you need to listen to the two things. Don't switch off, folks. It's not just going to be a repeat. I feel like God has um, prompted some different response for today, some different things we can respond to, and different ways we can kind of grow in our own faithfulness. So the specific word this week, emet, means truthful, faithful, trustworthy. You can count on God. This is the truth. He won't let you down. That's what faithfulness is. And actually, the word amen is kind of a derivative of the word emet, So when we say amen, we are saying, so be it. This is the truth. Surely this is true. Okay? And actually, we see in the Bible this kind of model, don't we? Someone states, my God is the rock. Amen. I'm saying, my God is the rock. That is the truth of my faithful and truthful, reliable, dependable God. 
And then the Bible kind of models for us, doesn't it? What do the people say in response? Amen. So I say, my God is the rock, amen. My God is the rock, amen. Brilliant. And we're declaring that. That is the truth. That is the truth of my faithful God who we worship. So it's a way of us agreeing that this is truth. And truth comes from our faithful, faithful God. So God's faithfulness, God's loyalty. He never abandons his people. Faithful to the end, no matter the cost. And we see it translated slightly differently throughout the Bible. It appears 127 times, fact finders, and 329 times, including all the related words. Um, For example, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness, or your emmet, to the skies. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The testimony of the Lord is sure, is faithful, emmet. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. That is emmet and emmet, my God of faithfulness. So it appears as trustworthy, certain, reliable, stable, constant, secure, steady, dependable, the truth, amen, the one in whom people can trust. So our God is faithful. He is full of truth. He is dependable always. Amen. Amen. Brilliant, that'll do. Um, So that's, that's who our God is. That's what we read in the Bible. That's what we know about our God. So what is our God faithful to? Well, our God is faithful to his promises and he is faithful um, to his covenant with us. So again, Jeremy talked about this really well last week, so I'll kind of do a a brief summary um, in the context of God's love and his faithfulness and his desire to bless us. So God promised to Abraham. It says um, in the Bible, I will make of you a great nation. This is to Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's the big bit at the end. In you, through the descendants of Abraham, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So his promise is that God will first of all grow Abraham's family, which is harder than it might seem, We'll come to that. Through them, he will bless the world to restore the relationship that he created back at the start of creation between himself and Adam and Eve. Um, In Romans 4, there's a really nice summary of Abraham's faith. It says, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So he demonstrated faithfulness to the promise of God, and God showed faithfulness in keeping the promise that he made. And then in uh, Genesis 15, Abraham has a dream given to him by God, and this is where the promise that all the generations of the earth will be blessed through his descendants becomes a covenant. And we get to the the dream, which is a dream of the cutting of the covenant. So um, 
what they used to do was used to take all the sacrificial animals, they'd literally cut them in half, and they'd lay them in two parallel lines. Can we kind of picture what that would have looked like? Do we need help? Hold on. My friend, my friend Greg has come with me today. So this is Greg. Say hello, Greg. Oh, it's not Greg. It's Jeff. I'll upset Blue. It's Jeff. Sorry. Hello, Jeff. Greg stayed at home. Um, so they'd take all the sacrificial animals, and what they would do, so when a covenant, this, um, it's, it's a, a, more than a binding contract, it's so, it's, they were then making this absolute covenant between two parties, what they would do is they'd take the animals, and they'd cut the animals in half, and then they'd lay them, sorry, I made him smile, he's very happy because he loves God, um, there you go, so there's, Jeff, he would be laying on the floor, to be fair, but let's pop him there so you can see him. And then the two parties, hand in hand, would walk through the sacrificial animals as they kind of say to the, the people around, this is the covenant we are making with each other. And if one of us breaks this covenant with the other person, we are as good as these animals. We are as good as dead because this covenant, this relationship is so important, this deal we're making is so important, if we break it, we're as good as dead. And that's what they used to do, the cutting of the covenant. But in the dream, there's only one, one thing appeared in the middle of all these animals, and that was the smoking firepot, which represented the presence of God. And in that dream, Abraham knew what God was saying is, God, this is where I'll get emotional, just heads up, God is standing in the middle God is cutting this covenant on his own and he will remain there forever and ever, amen, because our God is a faithful God. And he knew that whatever happened, if he was going to make this um, covenant with Abraham, with his descendants, with all of us, he knew that ultimately we would break our end of the deal and what would be due to us would be basically death because we couldn't ever uphold the, the perfect relationship with God and this covenant relationship. So what he says is, I will stand in the gap for you. I, God, will stand in this gap, and this is my promise. And Abraham was not walking through those animals with him because God said, I will do this. I will stand in this gap here and make this covenant with you, this promise to you that I will bless all the people of the earth through the descendants of Abraham. And it didn't need us to stand in there. And ultimately, God knew all part of what was going to happen. He knew that people would fail. And we see that, that we see the descendants of Abraham getting stuff wrong, the people of Abraham, uh, Israel getting stuff wrong, worshipping other gods. We see deceit. We see lies. We see lack of faith, lack of trust. We see some terrible things. There's murder in there. And, and the people of God get things wrong. The people of God get things wrong. And it's kind of my picture here is they're, they're stepping out of that perfect promise, that perfect relationship. But you know what? Through it all, where does God go? God stays here because God is faithful to his promise that I will bless all the people of the earth through, through this promise and I will remain faithful to being here in the middle even though I know you're going to wander off and wander off and, and not come back. So there's God in the centre of this, this promise, saying, I will remain here and I will bless you if you are kind of here with me. And people are wandering off. And it's like, well, how, 
How do we then get to be in that covenant relationship with God? How do we get to stand with him? Because ultimately, we're not worthy to be here because we deserve the fate of Jeff, don't we? We haven't lived up to our end. We haven't lived this perfect life. We can't be with God, which is where we come to Jesus, which is the great news, isn't it? Because Jesus, fully man, fully God, is the kind of continued faithfulness of God in action. If you look at the start of the Gospel of Matthew, this is the genealogy or lineage of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Jesus is the promised king, Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of the promise to David that his heir would sit on the throne, and he is the um, fulfillment, of the ongoing fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham. So Jesus comes, and Jesus makes a way for us to be restored to God and kind of be in that promise, be counted as one of Abraham's descendants, which means we will inherit the promise of the blessing, which is our eternal relationship with God, our eternal life with God, our new heaven, our new earth, and we get to dwell with God in that. But God knew that on our own, we could never stand in this place with him. He knew that. He knew we would wander off. He knew we would get things wrong. He knew, this is the bit that really gets to me, he knew all that was going to happen, yet he still said, I will stand here faithful to my promise that I will bless the descendants of Abraham, even though I know for you to enter in and be a part of that promise, a part of that inheritance, I'm going to have to send my son to the cross. And the only way you are going to get to stand with me for eternity is through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of his son. And God's faithfulness is that he said, I will make this promise, I will make this covenant, I will stand here, and I know it's going to go wrong for you, which is why I stand here on my own, but in order for you to be in that relationship with me, I'm going to send my son to die on your behalf. The death that was due to us, the consequence of sin that was due to all of us, he lays at Jesus. And Jesus dies on behalf of us. So when I think back to that moment where God gave Abraham the dream of him standing there, fulfilling his promise, I just I can't get my head around the fact that he knew we were going to get things wrong. He knew who we were going to become, what would go well, what wouldn't. He knew he was going to have to send Jesus, and he did it anyway because of his steadfast love, his unfailing love, and his covenant promise and his faithfulness to fulfilling that promise. And personally, that blows my mind. I don't know how you feel about it, if that makes any sense. If it doesn't, ignore what I'm saying. I listen to Jeremy instead. It'll be fun. But um, for me, it's just going right back, and we have to remember what God actually promised. He promised, through the descendants of Abraham, I will bless the nations of the earth. How do we get into that? How do we become part of that blessing? We do it by accepting and following Jesus Christ. He made a way for us to be in there. God has provided that way. Even though it's us, we got things wrong. God made us that way. God gave us the access into that through Jesus. Um, Does that make any sense? Am I just waffling now? Amen. There we go. So, God is faithful. God is faithful, so faithful to his promise, he sent his son to die on the cross. And God still stands. This is the picture I can't get away from. God stands in that middle, still trying to help us because he wants us to be in that relationship. So um, we worship a God then who is faithful to his promises. We see that throughout history. We see that on the cross. So 
some people then ask the question, so why do we suffer? Why, if my God is so faithful, why is it that God doesn't do what I've asked him to do? Why is he not faithful to this thing that I've asked? But that's because that isn't ultimately what God has promised. God has promised the covenant relationship that he will bless the people of the earth through Jesus, we can come into that for eternal life and eternity and living with him in the fullness of all that. But actually, what Jesus said in John 16 is, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're living in this kind of middle section, aren't we? The now and not yet. Jesus has come, but he will come again. His kingdom will fully come again at some point in the future. We don't know when. And no matter how many times the boys at New Day said to me, when is Jesus coming? When is Jesus coming? I said, we don't know. The Bible says we don't know. But he will come. It was literally every morning over breakfast, just after we talked about brushing our teeth. Um, we, we don't know, but he will come because our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. He will come again. But we live in this messy bit in the middle where there are kind of other wills at work, there are other things at work in this world, its kingdom is not fully come. But God says, in this middle section, in all things, he will work for the good of those who love him. That says to me, if I, if I accept Jesus and I walk with God in this world, my God is working for me to make good of the mess of the world around me. That is, I want to be walking this journey with God through Jesus, through his sacrifice. I want to be walking with that because he will help to make sense of the mess around me. And there are so many unanswered questions. Suffering, death, all the things around us that are going on that we just can't quite comprehend. But ultimately, our God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. Um, Personally, I'm I'm diabetic. I've prayed I've had lots of people pray for me to be healed from diabetes. I'm still diabetic. I've been diabetic since I was seven, which was quite a long time ago. Um, And there was a season where I I couldn't bring myself to pray. If someone said at the front, he wants praying for healing, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Because it was kind of just something I lived with. It was almost who I was. And I, I, I think I was hiding from the disappointment of someone coming up and laying hands and praying for me and me walking out of that place and still being diabetic. And it was hard. But then, kind of through being at Real Life Church, through different people praying for me, being around God's people, um, and God worked in me, and and I got renewed faith. And I said, right, I I can't live in that place because I worship a God who is faithful. I worship a God who loves me. I worship a God who heals. Therefore, if I'm not asking, I'll never get. And I need to kind of ask God out of this place where I'm at of kind of resentment and disappointment. So I started to say, yeah, go and pray for me please pray for me. Then I started to ask people to pray for me. And at the same time, I started to pray for others. So what I hadn't realized was I very rarely prayed for anyone else to be healed. Um, And I started praying for other people. But what I found is, for me personally, I'm praying for healing kind of through a, filter's the wrong word, but you know what I mean, through a a standing of, I've prayed for healing and I've not been healed, but still I choose to pray for you to be healed because I know my God is faithful and I know my God heals. He's taught me a lesson through that process. And for me, that's God making some sense of the mess around my life and my personal health. Um, We prayed for one of the young lads and loads of the other lads joined in at New Day. It was brilliant. Um, And he had really limited mobility in his hand. And then by you know, we prayed a few times for him, and every time we prayed, he got more and more movement back to the point where he said, I want to go back and play the guitar. 
And he was literally arrived at that meeting. His hand really didn't move, did it? Um, all the boys get round and we pray for him. And he was like, right, okay, I'm going to play this chord and this chord. And then he was like, I'm going to go write a song. And it was really exciting. And I know I worship a God who heals. I know he hasn't healed me. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, I want to be healed. But it doesn't stop me because my God is faithful to his promises. He does heal. For whatever reason, he hasn't healed me. I live in this messy world. But one day, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven and I won't be diabetic. So I'll wait for that moment. What I'm saying is we've got to kind of help each other move from a place of frustration um, and resentment, perhaps, and disappointment, saying, my God's not faithful. God is faithful to his promise because he will come again. He has made a way. And we need to move to a place where we're thankful for what we see him do. We're thankful for the things he has given. And we have a hope. We have a future hope in Jesus coming again. We have a future hope um, that God will be faithful to his promise. And that's kind of where I stand in that particular area. Um, One of the books we're reading uh, by Mark Comer said, our hope isn't that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Our hope isn't that everything that happens to us is the will of God. Our hope is no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to us, Jesus has risen from the dead, he has defeated death, and he will return. And therefore, anything is possible. And that's the position I pray for. So I'd love us, in part of our homework, in life groups, and kind of coming away from this, to help each other just process some of that disappointment, hurt, resentment, and help each other. If you're someone right now who's full of thankfulness and hope, help other people to move from that position of disappointment and resentment to actually seeing God and praying and not missing out on the greatness of God um, from that. So let's help each other. It's important that we process. And whatever you do, don't sit there going, I'm going to keep this really quiet. I'm not going to pray for healing because God's not healed me talk to each other. It was only through other people and then encountering God through those people that kind of my mindset on praying for healing changed. And now that young lad can go away because of what God has done in him and hopefully write a beautiful song of worship. So, um, I kind of want to talk about our response then. This is, hold on, I'm losing the way in so many bits of paper. This is the last section. Here we go. Firstly, we need to step into the promise. Okay, The promise from God that he will bless the people of this earth through the descendants of Abraham, God remains faithful to. God does not move from this position. God does not change his mind and go, oh my gosh, Stuart did what? And kind of move out of the middle. God's not like that. God is faithful to his promise that he will stand here and he has made a way through Jesus. So the first encouragement is if you've never accepted what Jesus has done for you, to be in this covenant relationship with our God is to make a decision to go, whoa, I want to walk through this mess with a God who ultimately is going to come again and save um, and make the new heaven and the new earth. The first step is to step into that promise, to, to live as part of Abraham's descendants in the promise of the blessing that comes from God. And then what's my response to that once I think about, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, God remains faithful and he doesn't move no matter how painful it is and no matter how hard it is, he will remain faithful to that, is I want to remain faithful to my God. And as an overflow of God's faithfulness to me, I want to be faithful to people around me. So that's kind of where I want to land with a little bit of practical, is that once we've decided to walk this journey with God through Jesus, and nothing can take that away, don't get me wrong, 
I might do something hideous tomorrow, but nothing can take away my salvation. That is certain, that is definite, that is a million percent in here with Jesus. But I want to try my best to remain faithful to God in this journey because if I remain faithful to God and walk with him, he'll help me sort through the mess of this world and then at some point in the future, very soon, we possibly, who knows? Sorry, boys. Um, God will come again, Jesus will come again and we'll go to the new heaven, new earth. So how do we be faithful to God? Let's go there first of all. We've got to learn more about him. If we want to be faithful to him, we need to know as much as we can. His promises, his character, who he is. We need to read the Bible. We need to read books about God. Listen to Sunday teaching. Well done. Worship songs, life group. We need to find out more about him. And we need to be faithful of what he has asked of us and what he has given us. Our time, our finance, our gifting, our skills. That's why Phil and I serve in the worship team. That's why we're part of the leadership team. Because we were aware God had given us some gifts in the area of worship. So to honour God and be faithful to him, we use those gifts. Now, if, if I'd have said today, tough luck, there's no one to play guitar or piano, sort yourself out, I'm not really being faithful to the gifts God's given me. What can I do this morning to help the people of God worship? I can play the guitar and preach. It's not the end of the world. It's not what I plan to do, but I'll do it. But God has given me that gift and that skill to do it. So I'm using it in my kind of faithfulness to him. How does God want you to share and be generous with what he has given to you? Maybe my guitar playing isn't generous. Anyway, uh, the other one is prophetic words. This is um, quick. So these are a few like practical ideas just to go through. Um, We did something over the last year where Melanie basically said to us, go through your journals, look at all the prophetic words God's ever spoken about you, write them down, and then I will help you. She loves to do this, sorry. (laughs) Loads of people can ask you now. There are other people too. Um, I will help you to find out what God's calling on your life is. So I put this off for months. I kept saying, I haven't written anything down. I very rarely, if I'm honest, get prayed for by other people. Um, and it was literally, I think, 48 hours before we were going away on the leaders um, away day. That I was like, right, I'm going to actually have to do this. So I found a whole bunch of brown journals. They're, they're a real mess. And they're awful. In terms of organization, they, they are terrible. Um, they're really hard to follow to see what went on. But you know what? I eventually pulled out an A4 page of things God had spoken to me through other people. And I gave this to Mel and Phil and some others, and I said, what does this say about me? And you know what? The summary was this. A leader, a leader of men, a father to many, an example, an outpiece. It's like my wedding speech. Call me to be me, dream chaser, faithful warrior. And that's a really good, helpful summary for me, (coughs) what my calling is. How that helps me to be faithful to God is that when I'm faced with a decision or something I'm going to give my time to, does it fit with what God has called me to? If it does, I go for it. If it doesn't, that's where I think maybe I should say no. Maybe I should put this down. So I want to be faithful to what God has called me to not what I think God has called me to. So it was such an important process, and it's really helped me, I think, to be more faithful to God. And I won't go into details of what's in my new journal. Notice it's blue. It's nice, isn't it? Um, But now, I'm going to find a bad example. Now I'm very clear. When somebody prophesies over me, 
when somebody, I'll flash it quickly, there's a bit of highlighting there, when somebody speaks to me and they're saying, basically, I'm prophesying over you, I'm praying for you, I write it down, I highlight it. And when I go through this book, what I'm seeing is answers to prayer. What I'm seeing is God speaking things over me in line with my calling, because that's where I'm walking as I'm trying to be faithful to God and follow my calling. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is go back through what God has spoken over you. Work out what it is, get others to help you. If you need that help, I'll try and help you. Um, what God has called you to, what gifts, what skills he has given you. And as I walk in my faithful walk with God, I'm going to try and be generous with those gifts, generous with those skills, and I'm going to try and make decisions based upon what God's actually called me to, not what I think he's called me to. Does that make any sense? Um, be deliberate. I went for a walk with someone recently who very wisely... Uh, it was a really good chat, actually. But they said, actually, it's really good to hear me say, as an elder of Real Life Church and a friend, hopefully, um, sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I find it hard to read my Bible. There you go. Stop the press there. Sorry, Stuart. Sometimes I find it hard to read my Bible regularly. Sometimes I find it hard to pray regularly. I live in a messy, busy world. It's not that I don't want to. It's not that my heart doesn't say, I love God, and I want to read his word, and I want to find out more. <coughs> Sorry. In the busyness of everything, um, sometimes it's hard, isn't it, just to remember to do things. I love my dad. He'll probably listen to this at some point. Um, because I love my dad, he lives a long way away, I want to remember to talk to him every week. So what do I do? He's in my to-do list. I've got a great app. Uh, it pops up once a week, and it keeps bugging me until I've rung my dad and had a chat with him. It's not because I don't love him. I've put him in my to-do list because I love him. I've put him there because otherwise I know in the business of life, kids, work, jobs, I sometimes forget. So he's in my to-do list because I love him. I've got a whole section for Phil, my wonderful wife. I've got a section for my kids. Phil says to me, oh, that looks really good. I'd like to try that. Fancy that restaurant. I'd like to eat that. Eventually, I get around to ticking some of these things off. I'm not doing that because I don't love her. I'm doing it because I do love her. I love God. I want to get to know God more. I want to read my Bible more. But look, I'm honest with you, sometimes it's really hard, and I have to find a motivation and a reminder. So also in my to-do list, it says, read my Bible. I was with someone the other night, their alarm went off at 7 o'clock. Oh, what's that for? That's to remind me to pray as a response to something that was said at an earlier prayer meeting. You know, these things are there to help us in a busy, messy world. They don't diminish the fact I love God or my dad or my wife, but they are there to help me. So what I was saying to this person was I find different motivations for reading my Bible at different points, and I go with it, because I want to read my Bible, but if something's really stirring me. So this book here recently was great, because it helped with this preach and a bunch of stuff. That was my kind of my motivation. It's the thing that got me into the book, but I was learning about God, and I wanted to learn. This is another book I'm reading. This is based on my bedside table, by the way. It's full of half-read books and stuff. This book I've chosen to read the discipleship gospel, because I was desperate, I was really excited about discipleship, about us asking as a church this question of how does it help people build a relationship with Jesus, um, and we're going to be looking at Mark's gospel, uh, Matthew, yes, it's Mark's gospel, yes, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we're going to be looking at Mark's gospel, this is basically a book taking me through the theme of discipleship throughout Mark's gospel, and I thought it might be helpful as we um, go through the gospel and it helps us to lead life groups together. So that's my motivation, because I love you guys. I love life group. I love God. I love his word. I love Mark. But there's my motivation, and it's helped me. 
Uh, we went, these are some other books. If you've never read this one, man, have a look. Dad Tired and Loving It. This is a great one. Me and um, another man read this. We were supposed to talk about it a bit down the pub. Um, and that was our motivation. We said, well, we'll read it. We'll come together, have a pint. We'll talk about being dads and loving Jesus. Um, this was gifted to us a while ago. I still haven't actually finished it. Another great book about redeeming your time. Um, but this is why I've got the to-do list app on my phone that helps me remember to do things. It, it's, a lot of it's come out of this book, a practical guide to organizing my life. What are my big, hairy, audacious goals, my BHAGs? That's kind of where I'm stuck. We're meeting next Friday to talk about our BHAGs, me and my wife, our big, hairy, audacious goals. And then once we've got them in place, I'll read the next chapter and find out how we work towards them. Um, I think that's the terminology. Um, we want to read the Bible more with our kids. How do we do it? We found quite a funny book. It looks at things in the world, How Great Is Our God by Louis Gig Giglio. Giglio. Um, it's, these books all sit. And on different days, I dip into different books. And obviously, I read my Bible as well, um, which does actually tend to be on my phone. Um, but I find different motivation. And it's not always easy. You know, there might be a few days where I think, oh, I haven't. But my phone's pinging, saying, don't forget to read your Bible. I'm walking day on day, praying, thinking about God. Oh, I must, must sit down and do some more. Different motivations at different times. It works for me. We were at a leaders' conference, and he talked about the armor of God. Um, I will finish in a second. Um, and then Stuart mentioned something about the armor of God recently. So I hope they actually brought it with me. I had the um, scripture journal for Ephesians. And I started reading it. I got stuck in the first three words or four words for a while. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ, appointed by God, basically. And I went days on that until I got to the point where I could really stand and say, Matt, an elder of Real Life Church, appointed by God. <laughs> a chunk of time in that. So what I've been doing is going through... I love these scripture journals, but I found the pretty ones. It's got a pretty front cover. And as you go through it, you get a whole page. It's got very faint dots. Very faint dots, which I like. No lines. And then occasionally you get a pretty graphic. Here we go. In gold. And then what I'm doing with Ephesians is when God speaks about me, I'm underlining it. When he speaks about himself, I'm circling it. Then over here I'm drawing things and writing things, depending on how arty I'm feeling, um, about God and about me and about who he says I am. So I'm on a bit of a journey. And that's just the motivation that the Holy Spirit prompted in me through a few talks. Um, that's what I'm doing. Um, I don't know if anyone wants one of these. I'm, I'm not going to promise to do that whole thing. Whoever wants one, have one, because I imagine most people will take one. But there are five scripture journals here, illustrated versions of Mark, which is the book we're about to go through. So if anyone wants to get a step ahead of the game, there's five of these. If you want one as a gift, two, you can move, three, four, there we go, and five. There you go. Um, I've found... If you really want one and you want us to get you one, I, I will, I promise. But probably not 100 because I'll get in trouble with Charlotte. She's not here. Um, so that, again, it's in that, finding that motivation. What I'm, all I'm trying to say is I love God. I know God is faithful. I want to be faithful to God. I want to do my best. But sometimes I have to be deliberate, purposeful in what I'm deciding to do in order to be faithful and maintain that faithfulness to God. I think I've waffled on enough about that. So let's close be a faithful people to others. I say waffled on. It's really important. <laughs> I want to live my life following God and living close to God. It is essential. I also want to be faithful to other people. Um, I guess all I want to say is we live in a world where the average job is four years. The average marriage is eight years. 
We live in a world uh, more and more, it's instant gratification, quick fixes, quick answers to stuff. Um, but actually, there are reasons to change jobs. There are, I don't think there are personally reasons. That's not too deep about marriage. But we've been married for 19 years, and we are going to be faithful to each other for the rest of our lives. David and Joyce recently celebrated 60 years, and they will be faithful to each other for the rest of their life. Matt, um, Ellie, um, Mark, and Carly, you're about to embark on this really exciting journey, and I pray you will be faithful to each other for the rest of your life. Um, Duncan and Claire are about to stand up before the people of God as Christians and you know, declare this, aren't you? And say, we are in this. And you know what? It's not just the two of you. It's you and God in this. So again, God says, I will be faithful to my promises. Marriage is good. But he doesn't say just get on with it on your own. God says, I'll be the third strand in that relationship. I'll walk with you. I'll help you. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit prompts and guides and helps other people to, to pray for you and help you in this world. So time and time again, we kind of see God um, stood in the middle, being faithful to his promise. I will bless the descendants of Abraham. I will bless the people of this earth. I will stand here and I will not move no matter how wrong all this goes. I will make a way through Jesus which enables you to stand with me in that promise and inherit that promise. And more than that, I'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit who's going to help you and guide you along the way. Now, none of that, I don't lose my salvation if I make a bad decision and I don't read my Bible tomorrow or if I, I'm rude to someone tomorrow. But I want to try my best, I don't know about you, to walk this walk of faithfulness, faithful to people. I want to make my yes be yes, my no be no. When I say to someone, that is what I will do. I will take you for a coffee and we'll pray about that. I want to be someone who does that. I want to be someone who moves into a neighbourhood, into a street, and doesn't leave next year, but lives there for years and years and years, so the relationships I build with my neighbours are deep and meaningful, and I can share something of my love for Jesus, my experience of Jesus. Personally, at the moment, in my job, I want to stay there, I say, at school. I've got some good relationships they, they know who I am. They know I'm a Christian. It does have an impact on their lives. Um, and I know that because we've had private conversations about stuff. So I want to be faithful to them in all I do. But ultimately, I'm being faithful to God because my God is faithful. And no matter what happens, God remains faithful at the center of this covenant because he said, I will stand here in this covenant no matter what. And more than that, I'll make a way for you to join me and I'll make a way for you to walk with me it's going to be a difficult journey, but it's the best place to be because God will help us sort through the mess of the world. So, um, band, do you want to start coming up? Sorry, Stuart, that was a lot longer than I was supposed to. I got a bit excited. Um, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to worship our God. Um, as we do, I just encourage you, if you've, if you've never done that first step, the stepping into the promise... Now's as good as time as any. Come talk to one of us, the life group leaders, Melanie Stewart, anyone up here. To be honest, a lot of people in this room would love to help you to do that. And if you're feeling in any way right now, actually, I just need to recenter my life. I just need to recenter my life on God. For whatever reason, you'll know what it is. It might be something like sin, it might be a, a bad decision, it might be something that's going on. So I need to recenter on God because I want to walk this road faithfully with God. Just as we worship, um, I'm going to ask you to be a bit brave and actually step out into the middle. And you don't have to come forward, but just as we worship, and I will pick up my guitar, sorry. Um, as we worship, just
Just remember that God stands central to all of this, and he's made a way through Jesus. And as we worship Jesus, we can say, yeah, I want to recenter. I want to walk this road a bit better with you today, God. I want this next season to be a bit closer, a bit stronger. Um, and that's what I felt God wanted to say today. So uh, let's stand together if you can. Perfect. Um, we will, we haven't got long. But if you're feeling at all convicted today, that actually I just, just want to make some new decisions. I want to um, walk this road a bit better with God right here, right now. Just as we worship, just step into the middle. If you want prayer, we can pray for you, but um, it's the best place to be.